you are listening to the third anniversary of Gods of Puss here on Adam Aaron BGED. Underground Cartoon Therapy, Halloween 2023. Anyway, welcome back to this fucking third anniversary. We originally recorded May 29th, an auspicious date. May 29th, 2020, when I still gave a fuck about recording a bunch of people who I thought might have been cool and turned out to be a bunch of fucking assholes, which is basically almost every fucking show I've recorded. Everybody's been a fucking dick. But the shows I have like this where I have C2 on the horn, and C2 had his time being cool uh, before, you know, she callously quit because CBS would have been scamming us, which is an episode I haven't put out yet. Anyway, this is the third anniversary Halloween, God's a Puss. I figured it, it's more of a Halloween episode. And I hope you guys are safe and uh, get ready to hear some authentically frightening shit on this episode. It's not for the faint of heart. And if you're pregnant with twin goats, you may want to consult your doctor before going further. Anyway, uh, get a grip. This came from my childhood. And, you know, as you've seen on Friday the 13th repeatedly, young, you know, people in their late teens and early 20s are more susceptible to becoming victims of true horror, as you're about to hear, on Adam Air MD GED, Underground Cartoon Therapy, God's a Puss Halloween release, alright, strap it on motherfucker, let's get this fucker rolling. The time is 8.21. You're listening to Adamair MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. What's up, guys? <laughs> oh, you decided to d- listen to this particular episode, huh? <laughs> well, you've come to the right place. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story about some gutter punk, crusty fucking death metal kids from the early 90s that moved into a basement apartment in Denver. And there was a bomb shelter in there. And the door itself was possessed and haunted. Basically, you got three of these brutal-ass fucking kids with crazy brains. And they're on more acid than God. Welcome to the Gods of Puss show. This is going to be a fucking twisted one. (laughs) 
Fuck yeah, man. I told you about these glory days that had happened, you know, but uh, a lot of the shit back then was just straight up evil. The story I'm going to share with you today is the most evil of the evil. <laughs> I just drank two pots of Black Folgers coffee straight. Had a couple peach slices. Smoked a bowl of modified banana shake. Which is what this episode is brought to you by. I can't express to you enough how how much this is the serial killer induced acid fucking reflux <laughs> acid in your brain fucks fucking episode hmm. you guys aren't ready for this this is pretty fucked up but I decided to go ahead and help you fuck your brain up further today You're like, oh, this guy, he's met the ghost of Robin Williams. He met the Dalai Lama in a nightmare. <laughs> All of it's true. And this one is no exception. You guys better clench the fuck up, dude. Smoke up, microdose, whatever you're doing. <laughs> that microdose was a throw out to a secret friend. We're going to talk to uh, C2 at the end of the show and talk about this evil-ass bomb shelter door that had some demonic properties within it. He's going to break that down for us. I'm going to talk about the actual story, what happened 20 years later. You're ready to hear some pretty wild shit, man. Consider this your last warning. You have been warned. Alright, let's fucking do it. Get it fucking rolling. What's up, guys? <laughs> uh, well, I guess I don't know where to begin. So we'll just start at the beginning. I'm smoking headbanger. That's what's fueling this fucking little episode right now. Day of the Dead soundtrack. On yellow wax vinyl. <laughs> it's appropriate enough. Alright, basically... There's many layers to Gods of Puss. And, uh... <clears throat> when I decided to go ahead and write a horror novel... This was my second novel, and I wanted to do something to really make myself scared, because my philosophy was, if I wasn't scaring myself, <laughs> it wasn't going to be scary. I needed to fucking scare the shit out of myself. Well, that's a harder task than it sounds, dude. You know, I've seen some pretty fucked up shit. I even watched, uh... 
Henry portrait of a serial killer on hash. <laughs> but I want to talk too much about this shit. I want to dive right into it. So basically, I did write this horror novel, guys. And I'll tell you right now, you can inbox me on the Anchor Appy thing. Or write me at uh, Adam Air Williams. A-D-A-M-A-I-R-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S at gmail.com. And I'll send you a free copy of this horror novel. Because we're in a fucked up virus ass shit. And this is a gift. Much like the podcast is as well. I know just how hard this is on everybody. And if you're into horror and you want to read some LSD horror fiction is what I titled it. <laughs> I'll send you a book, man. But I'm going to give you a walkthrough of it. You know, the beginning of when I actually moved into this place was around, uh, well, we moved in on Halloween of, uh, 90, I thought it was 92, Halloween of 92, and 92 was a busy year, man. At the beginning of the year, I was getting my portfolio ripped off from that Ren and Stimpy deal. If you gotta go back and listen to that episode, check that out. That predates what I'm gonna tell you right now, which is basically absolutely scary shit. I'm gonna go ahead and play my little death metal songs behind it and uh, walk you through. The whole thing follows in a pattern of a Saturn square. So I was gonna read out of the book, but it takes too fucking long, and I would just rather you fucking read it. And I'd rather just tell you what little bits from each square number are, and by the time you get these numbers at the end of it, I'm gonna show you a little trick and how the, the chapters are basically laid out into a Saturn square. We got C2 coming back here, and he's gonna walk us through how this inanimate bomb shelter door that's in my fucking place was haunted. And how it could, you know, be this evil, you know, movie maniac, basically. It's not Jason. It's not Michael Meyer. It's not fucking Freddy. It's none of these guys. It's a fucking door. And somehow, sometimes a door... You know, it's just fucking eerie as it is. I'm going to tell you the scary shit. <laughs> and then I'm going to tell you some weird stories that happen inside of 12. And then, I don't know, 16 years later. Oh, man. It gets eerie, man. <laughs> All right, well, hold on to your britches, as my grandma Sugar would say. And let's get this fucker rolling. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so, you know, how the book's laid out, I wanted to do it scary, like I said. And I needed to get fucking antidepressants when I was living in fucking Brooklyn. So I had myself institutionalized like three times. So that I could fucking just be like, you know, getting my pills. But it, it served as a dual purpose because it was scary as fuck in there. <laughs> you want to talk about some death metal video? Go, go check in there for a minute. Vacation spot for death metal heads, huh? Oh, you'll love that. 
you know, however I laid out the book, I decided to get clever. And I say to use it like a Saturn square, man, you know? So here it goes. It goes, a Saturn square is laid out in three rows. You go 816-357-492. Okay, inside of each one of those chapters are four sub-chapters. And those numbers belong to the sun. I can't remember what the actual practice is called when you take the planetary numbers and match them together. You create this kind of magical seal. So technically, if you transcribe the fucking words inside the book, it would fucking, like, come down to this fucking, you know, other totally different shit. I don't want to read it, dude. I don't even want to know. But you can. Like I said, I'll give you the book for free. But, you know, once you read it, you can't unread it. And it is peculiarly frightening. Hmm. You know, I felt like, fucking fuck it. I'll never write a horror novel again. So in the first part, you know, I'll take you through that right now. And the number would be, uh, eight. And what I named that, that Saturn title was Fuck Infinity. <laughs> and then I break it up into sun numbers. And I basically give you a lowdown. And when I was actually living in this fucking apartment, man, this thing was evil as shit. And, uh, I didn't know how to explain it. What kind of energy it really was or anything like that, you know? I haven't ever seen anything like it. And I've encountered a lot of crazy shit by that time, even, dude, and I was still just a kid. And we were all just these three kids fucking each other's lives over already before we even got in there. I had my hand in some fucking dubious deeds. Oh, yeah. Once upon a time... <laughs> you know, once upon a time, I was sitting in this cafe in Boulder, Colorado. And these two guys came in, man, and they were, you know, it was a girl. She was obviously beautiful. And she looks like that classic, like, Native American, dark skin. You know, and then she's with this white, you know, honky motherfucker, you know. He's like this... Metalhead with the perfect fucking long hair, you know, when they swing their metal hair, you know, it makes a big old fan, you know, you've seen this shit with Cannibal Corpse headbanging and all that shit. That was this motherfucker. I was sitting there drawing, and they just came up to me and were like, what's up, dude? And I was like, nothing. And the guy's name is Mike, and he goes, so, uh, you making any money on that shit? And I was like, no, but I'm happy. And he goes, you want to go make some money? And I was like, fuck yeah. Hold on, give me one second. You know, in the book, man, <clears throat> it has a different layout than what happened in reality, obviously. In the book, I wanted to go ahead and just kind of give this weird Douglas Adams fucking kind of view of how this door became evil that's in this basement apartment. But in reality, I don't know how the fuck or what the fuck happened. 
I guess that's a little bit more frightening anyway, but uh, I like a good layout. So I went ahead and Douglas Adams that motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in reality, earlier that day before I met Mike and Ether, that was the girl's name, by the way. Those are the two main characters. I guess I should tell you that. Um, you know, before I met them, I had watched Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer while stoned on hash earlier that day. And I was watching it with this dude named uh, Aaron DePunk. And uh, he was like this total asshole fucking punk or whatever. <laughs> and we were walking down the street. And I saw this younger guy that he's hanging out in our circles and shit. You know, he's a punk too, but he's like five years younger to me. And uh, his name is Chris. And so fucking, he got in a bus accident where his fucking face got tore off. And he accidentally flew out the back of a fucking bus and rolled down the side of a mountain. Actually, two kids fell out of the bus. The first one died on contact. The second one rolled down the fucking mountain. They found a piece of his fucking molar in his eye socket, you know? And this guy's fucking getting his whole face reconstructed. And I'm hanging out with this punk rock dick, Aaron the Punk. And he looks at this guy and he just starts making fun of him. He's like, holy fuck, you got fucked up, dude. You fucking look like shit, man. Blah, blah, blah. And the kid starts crying. I looked at that shit and, you know, I looked at that Aaron the Punk. And even though I just smoked some awesome hash with him. And I looked at him and I said, hey, Aaron, why don't you go crawl back under the fucking crack rock you came from, motherfucker. And he looked at me and goes, fuck you, I just smoked you out with this fucking hash. And I fucking clocked him, dude. And he went off crying. And I was like, this fuck off, man. Just go, go the fuck on. And that guy was like, thanks, dude. Not many people would do that, you know. And right then, me and Chris became fucking, like, best friends. And he was like this younger brother that I just scored or whatever, pretty much ground scored. <laughs> there was this uh, cool-ass record store back then in 91 on the Pearl Street Mall. And I went in there, and uh, they had all the cassette tapes. And I found this one right here, fucking Bolt Thrower, Realm of Chaos. And I bought it for Chris, and I was like, here you go, man. And he goes, oh, that's fucking awesome, dude. We went back to his house. He smoked the best fucking weed. He had a killer-ass house. His grandfather ended up being Dr. Joseph O. Fletcher, <laughs> who, who fucking invented Doppler radar and was the first guy to land in the middle of the fucking North Pole. And he'd always be at the Pentagon. You know, me and Chris became... You know, these trailer park boy style fucking criminals and started doing bicycles and cars and blah blah blah, whatever we could score. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I was kind of making a little bit of money, but it was a hard run. Plus, we got chased by helicopters one time and all this shit. But I remember going back and listening to this bolt thrower tape with fucking Chris, and I was like, this is how you know you got a buddy for life, dude. His grandfather would come back from the Pentagon and chase me around with fucking rakes and bats. <laughs> no shit, dude. 
That's how it went, man. And he was like, stay away from my grandson. But me and Chris always hung out, dude. I was the worst influence I could possibly be. I did the best I could. You know, I was like, don't do those crimes, dude. Do these crimes. It worked out. You know. So, you know, that's what happened earlier in that day. By that night, I'm drawing in this cafe, and I meet up with fucking Mike and Ether, and he makes his proposal, do I want to go make some money? And I'll tell you, man, after we took off, I took him up to Chris's house, and Chris was right on board, man. You know, the first time I got the Boulder, man, it was like fucking outside the bus station, and these two cops were like, are you a skinhead? And I had a shaved head, you know? I was like, nope, I'll kick a Nazi's ass. And the other cop goes, do you do acid? And I was like, huh? And I was pretty much straight edge. I like smoked cigarettes, and I looked at him, and I go, no. And he goes, why not? <laughs> and that's how all this fucking shit got started, motherfucker. I'm telling you right now. Yep, before I met fucking Chris and Ether and Mike, I met these two guys at the Boulder Homeless Shelter when I first got to Colorado, and I slept outside in the snow that first night. And uh, then I fucking ended up going to the homeless shelter the next night. You know, <laughs> that's how I made these guys, man. You know. There's my friend uh, Slim Evil Eye. He's a mortician. And you can imagine how busy he is right now. Not to be a smartass, but the guy's fucking loaded with work now. Anyway, he was a young mortician back in the day. And his brother was hanging... His name was Kane. And Kane was hanging out with this guy named Snake. Snake ended up being a fucking lunatic that escaped from fucking Chicago and was wanted in fucking eight states. Nobody knew it. He was only 18 years old, too, man. Fucking insane. Guess he fucking murdered people and all this other shit. And I think he was really getting to Kane. And these guys had been fucking kind of talking about murdering and what it would be like and blah, 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 you know. The deeper ethics of it all. And we're into fucking serial killer fucking era, dude. Natural born killers, serial trading killer cards, fucking Boneyard Press with the fucking unauthorized biography of Jeffrey Dahmer, Cannibal Corpse, Morbid Angel, Carcass. These are the names of the fucking bands leading to death metal armies. And these guys were prime members, man. They were fucking on Morning Glory seeds, man. <laughs> and really. I was talking to Slim because this was way after the, the story I'm actually going to tell you, but before I tell you the story, me and Slim were sitting in a hearse filling out fucking fake death certificates in his, uh, you know, her company hearse or whatever, and we were fucking doing bong hits, and we're looking at the fucking, all these suit dummies getting ready to fucking go into the Denver courthouse and shit to fucking find Timothy McVeigh guilty for the Oklahoma bombing and I went outside the hearse and I grabbed that fucking 
Timothy McVeigh fucking on trial fucking thing, and I grabbed it. And I said, you know, this shit's gonna be history, buddy. You know? But the only reason we really even met was because I was hanging out with Kane and Snake. And when we first met, you know, they walked these three circles around me while I was sitting outside. It was early in the morning, my first day of Colorado, you know, the second day of Colorado. And, uh, you know, they were smelling my aura. And they both looked at each other and they said, Evil Eye. And I have never heard that before, dude. I thought it was fucking weird and all this other shit. We ended up hanging out. And they were fucking insane, dude. They did a bunch of crazy shit. They attacked this preacher on the Pearl Street Mall with a glass triangle. And Snake ran up to the guy and was all, Look into the Jew cube, mortal. <laughs> what the fuck? I've never seen anything like this shit before, dude, but... These guys were brand new characters in my brain, you know? Anyway, we were hanging out at the coffee shop. They knew I didn't do cocaine. Still never have. They wanted to go do a teener across the street. I was like, yeah, go for it, man. I was sitting there, and I fucking left about ten minutes later at the table I was sitting at to go take a shit. And the story goes like this, that Kane and Snake saw this fat motherfucker steal my wallet off the fucking table... And he took it, and he went to uh, stick it in his pocket, and Kane and Snake saw it, and they're like, nuh-uh. And the guy got in his car, and Snake and Kane decided, oh, well, we'll follow him. And so they broke into a 68 Dodge Dart, and fucking hotwired that motherfucker, and followed this motherfucker all the way for three and a half hours to shitty fucking Grand Junction on the south end of the fucking state. Oh, God. It's a crap hole, dude. It's just a big old shithole. Nasty as fuck. And, uh, you know, the guy gets in the fucking house and he fucking looks in the wallet and you know what, if I would have known that these guys, what they were going to go do, I would have told them, don't even bother. Because all I had was fucking 34 fucking dollars in those old school food stamps, you know what I mean? And I was like, I wouldn't have even been sweating it. I didn't have any fucking ID. I didn't have fucking jack shit, you know. I had, You know, I can't explain how douchebaggery fucking annoying it is to have a fucking Facebook fucking ad in the middle of a Slayer thing. Anyway, to continue. <laughs> Motherfucker. These guys came into this dude's house. The guy had a Luger. He set it on the fucking table. He looked disappointed that he didn't have the fucking money that he wanted. He fucking went into the bathroom, took a shit, and came back out. And Kane and Snake were there. And they fucking went ahead and fucking just shot the motherfucker three times, cold, and killed him. And then they fucking took out a bag of Morning Glory seeds and a copy of Aleister Crowley's Necronomicon. And they sat down and meditated next to this fucking bloating corpse for a fucking month. Praying. And then they both split up. 
and Kane went to go have some fun somewhere else. And Snake decided, well, I'm going to go have fun. So he went ahead and fucking stole a car and decided to fucking drive it around shitty Grand Junction and broke into four liquor stores. And then he broke into the fucking fifth liquor store and he drove the fucking car right through the fucking front window of the place. And he's like walking on broken glass with bare feet, naked in the fucking moonlight. Insane with this huge ass fucked up smile on his face. And you know, ironically, there's a baby, there's a woman and her baby like 30 yards away from him or whatever. He ambushes him. He ambushes the mom, picks up the baby and throws it like a fucking football. And you can see the cops just fucking rolling up at that moment. And the fucking baby lands on the cop car and, and splatters all over the place. They fucking arrest this guy, dude. And he's just laughing insanely. So anyway, Kane found out about this shit. And found out that they took him back to Chicago from this fucking lunatic bin that they fucking got him from to begin with. And Kane decides to go with uh, this chick who's like fucked everybody in town, basically. And, you know, they break into the place that Slim is working at at this mortuary where he's embalming these bodies and he's actually listening to Sepultura. I'm going to throw that track on probably on here too, man. Because that's a great fucking track. But anyway, uh, schizophrenia. Anyway, fucking, uh, you know, he basically sees Slim fucking embalming this body and he scares the shit out of him and then he fucking, Slim's like, what the fuck do you want, you know? And he, he jumped on top of a dead body that he was embalming and got eyeball to eyeball with it and was all, We need to borrow your car. And Slim was like, Oh, you're just here to steal the fucking hearse. You better get the fuck out of here, dude. And of course, he went ahead and fucking stole it anyway. And Slim had to play fucking dumb to about it. So fucking, you know, Kane and this chick... The hoe bag. We'll just call her the hoe bag. Because <laughs> that's what she is. And fucking they drive this stolen hearse to Chicago from Boulder, Colorado. And they make a collect call to the fucking mental ward that this guy's in, man. And according to the story that I heard, Kane was like, collect call from Jesus Christ. And that some crazy bitch in the inside was all, collect call from Jesus Christ. And Snake knew who it was. And fucking went over to the phone and found out he was outside with a stolen hearse. He went outside, fucking... He broke out inside of ten minutes. They got a fucking alarm going off. And he sees these guys in the stolen hearse across the street. And the cops are coming in. And there's a horse cop out there. And he gets off his horse and ties the horse up and goes inside the ward. And Snake goes over to the fucking horse and fucking just goes ahead and sticks the goddamn firecracker up its nose and blew the fucking horse's brains out of its ear and laughed about it, got in the fucking stolen hearse and fucking took off, man. According to the following story, the hearse broke down in Iowa and they left Robin there, but not before they fucking ate a sheet of acid. <laughs> and so fucking, they fucking took off. I guess they both Ended up back at this fucking house, but 
Kane went to a grocery store and stole a bunch of Marazine, which is mar uh, motion sickness pills. And he fucking ate 48 of them, dude, and carved a giant swastika in his fucking head. All Nazi swazi. And fucking when he realized it was fucking backwards, he fucking flipped out. And it didn't matter, and then he ended up back in Grand Junction at this fucking house, and Snake was there, and the bloated corpse was there, and they sat down and whipped out a fucking bag of Morning Glory seeds, once again, with a copy of the fucking Necronomicon. You know, these guys ended up getting fucking pop filey when Kane went to go hold up an ATM. And, you know, it was a Jewish cop that fucking busted him. Kane tried to shoot him twice. <laughs> Didn't really work out that well. You can only imagine. I remember this one time, <clears throat> you know, after Kane and Snake went to prison. Snake ended up, you know, the story with him, Slim, years later, he sent me this article and it showed that Snake had been, uh, Patted down in a fucking super mental institution, criminal, lunatic asylum, hardcore shit. And the place caught on fire and he was strapped down and he burnt alive, dude. And if that ain't Freddy fucking Krueger enough for you, I don't know what the fuck is. You know, the sad thing about the whole thing was when they busted fucking uh, Kane, you know, fucking dude hadn't been busted again yet. And he showed up wearing a... Uh, uh, Snake showed up wearing the fucking uh, snorkels and a flipper and, uh, and a snorkel and a flipper and goggles, like a deep underwater set shit. Zeke hiling down the middle of the courtroom like his, like he wasn't going to get fucked with or anything. And he's all, I'm here on his behalf, Zeke Heil. And started Zeke hiling with these fucking underwater flippers down the courtroom. No shit, that's exactly what happened. They gave Kane fucking, you know, 18 years. I did end up seeing him right after that, dude. I never saw Snake again, though. But, you know, when I saw Kane, it was fucking... <laughs> it wasn't the same. He was desensitized. He ended up moving away to Alaska and just disappeared or whatever. You know, at that time, me and Slim and Evol, that's what we ended up calling Chris, was Evol and Ether, and Ether was calling me Ajax, and I I noticed that we got along and stuff, but there really wasn't anything there but this friendship, and then I was, like, apprehensive about Mike, because he was just fucking retarded altogether, but there's this part where we went to go see uh, Evil Dead 2. That was fucking awesome, dude. That was some notorious shit. <laughs> So anyway, I think it was known around Boulder that the cops were in on hustling acid and they had a ring of fucking acid dealers that hung out on the fucking courthouse lawn and the cops would get their fucking cut off these guys fucking selling A to CU students. It's not a big fucking surprise, you know. It was just the end of it. <laughs> You know, for a while, man, before the, they ended up having a sweep and they swept everybody out. But before that, we were all living pretty fruitful. Anyway, Mike and, 
and Ether, they would fight like weird all the time, man. There was always some fucking drama. They had a stupid car. <laughs> it was fast, but it was stupid. It was like some sports ass shit, and it was like, I was always cooped up in the back of it. I was like, yeah, whatever, just wake me up when we get to wherever the fuck we're going. All they did was argue. I remember it was fucking, like... Right at... I don't know, it was right before Halloween, you know? And, uh... I was saying that... I didn't want to hear these guys fight or whatever. So they dropped me off at this fucking, uh, gay bar. <clears throat> which I knew guys in there or whatever I was friends with. But I would always go across the street and jack off the fucking straight porn. And I would spare change fucking money from them so I could go jack off to straight porn. <laughs> and then I'd drink a bottle of Bad Dog and that would be a, I'd call it a day. So I was outside fucking spare changing and just, what, and it was nothing out there. It was snowing, it was weird. Cold as fuck. And this guy comes rolling down the fucking, uh, back alley behind me and he's got this wheelchair, it's an electric wheelchair, and he goes, I know you black wizards hate gays and everything, but I really need your help. I was like, I'm not a black wizard, and I don't hate anybody, dude. And fucking, uh, <laughs> so funny, man. And, uh, so he tells me a story. He's like, I need your help. I was married to a to my partner and we made a promise to each other that fucking we would never marry again and then he died six months later of course I ended up lonely I went to go date again and I noticed that there was an evil cat chasing me and I knew it was him and he had harassed all my boyfriends and all this shit so I went to go see a white witch and she fucking made it worse and she told me the wrong fucking shit and now he can inhabit all these fucking different cats at once and I'm listening to this shit dude and I can see it in his eye he's he's scared and I was like well I don't really know what to do about it and right when I said that I heard a and I looked behind him and uh there was a white cat walking backwards with this fucking fucked up ass fucking weirdo look on its face and he goes see see what I'm saying and I was like I'm fucking I gave him a hug and I got the fuck out of there dude and that cat shows up later on. <laughs> but I gave him a hug, told him I loved him, and I was out. <laughs> Halloween was coming up, man. Turned out Mikey Boy had to work on Halloween that season, you know. Those guys had some ominous past and shit that I didn't know about. I guess they had done some fucking satanic ritual shit because Mike and his parents were fucking satanic. I guess at the same time that him and Ether would have raised these little shadow demons in this place, which was up in Left Hand Canyon, which uh, is where Joe Walsh would have lived, ironically, in this giant, you know, golf ball house. And I guess they did some ritual in there and raised some shadow demons and interacted with them and were inhabited by them. And that's how kind of Mike and Ether acted, man. Like they were just inhabited by this fucking shit. And I didn't understand what they were ever talking about. We were living in motels. The shit was boring. I was about to check the fuck out from, you know, doing this shit with them. And I remember they got in this weird fight this night. And he would, she wouldn't let him 
go to fucking sleep, and then finally he fucking knocked out or whatever. And I woke up, and Ether was raping me. <laughs> I shit you not, dude. And uh, I had no idea. It's just like when you wake up and someone's on top of you, you know, having sex with you. Just like that. <clears throat> if that sounds uncomfortable, she. the next thing she says is, Oh, well, you know, if you say anything, I'll have my dad kill you, or I'll have Mike kill you, or I'll have both of them kill you. And then she continued to rape me. And I was caught in this web. I already liked her, but I didn't like her like that. It was weird, man. But she sucked me into this weirdo relationship. I didn't know how long it was going to last. Now she's got me fucking wrangled in. And this, these guys are ticking time bombs. Her dad's an ex-cop killer. This guy's a fucking domestic abusing fuck face. You know, her mom's a fucking junkie, you know, asshole, gangster fucking attitude bullshit. You know, everybody went to go to Ether's parents to get the acid all the time. And it was an in and out thing, you know. Oh, but it was Halloween and I was, you know, okay with everything, kind of. I didn't really feel like I couldn't escape it somehow if I wanted to. But I kind of probably should have exerted that idea that I could have gotten away from it and probably should have. But anyway, Mike had to fucking work at uh Mike had to work at the hospital that fucking night. And it was me and Slim and Evol. He collected all this money from fucking getting in that bus accident, you know? So the first thing he does is buy this fucking badass van. And he called it the Slumber Party Slumber Party Massacre van. <laughs> and it was me and Ether and some other punks and Slim. And we were blasting this morbid angel. It was fucking Halloween. And every Halloween it's notorious for fucking people to come from all over the fucking state. And Nebraska, Utah, Nevada, all over the fucking place, New Mexico. They all come to Pearl Street Mall in Boulder. And they'll collect fucking 250,000 people. And fucking crawl over each other. Literally. And it's amazing because it's like this Pearl Street Mall is only five blocks long, really. And you got a quarter of a million people trying to crawl over each other. There's already been like an accidental death and all this other shit. The police are fucking kind of telling everybody, we don't want you to go down there. We don't want you to go down there. We want you to go up to the hill. And the hill's a separate area in Boulder that you would go to go hang out. But if they want to go to Pearl Street Mall, they had every highway fucking closed coming into the state. Here we are fucking two blocks away from this shit. And, you know, we pick up these girls that are hitchhiking. And they get in. And Eve All has this fucking nasty old fucking super awesome fucking speaker. And he fucking turns it the fuck up. And we start singing this part right here. And it was scaring the fuck out of these girls. And we were accomplishing our fucking, you know, our shit by scaring the fuck out of them. It was awesome. They were like, let us out, let us out, oh my god. We finally let them out on the side of the road, they ran off. 
we found a place to park, like some Rockford-ass spot. I couldn't believe it. It's right next to Pearl Street. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And uh, me and Ether are walking down to Pearl Street Mall, and she goes, do you smell that? Do you smell that, Ajax? And I was like, smell what? She goes, it's LSD-25. And I was like, how can you smell acid? She's like, oh, it's got a scent. And we saw this Native American sitting there with this fucking orange juice. And we took this big old gulp of it, man. And fucking I just, my eyeballs fucking just went... I turned into a Looney Tune. We lost fucking Chris and Slim and everybody got lost all fast. Ether's holding my hand. We fucking ran up to this bar and found this fucking way to get up to the top of this building. And there's a bunch of people up there already, man. And we all had pumpkins, and we were like just hurling pumpkins at this fucking crowd. <laughs> they're, they're not carved out or hollow. They're fucking solid pumpkins, you know? We didn't give a fuck. We want to smash your fucking head in. It was pretty awesome. That's how I was back then. <laughs> so anyway, fucking... You can see this fucking people are around this flagpole across the street. And this guy climbs up the flagpole. And everybody's all, jump, 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 jump. And guess what that fucking idiot did? He fucking jumped. And he fucking broke his neck and died. And some other Wonder Woman lady was running and broke her leg. And all of a sudden, the fucking SWAT team came out, dude, and fucking was all... Started shooting everybody. And people were running and all this shit. And they, they said it was rubber bullets, but I, I don't think it was. I think it was just straight-up artillery. There was too many people to do rubber bullets. I'm pretty sure they killed a bunch of people. The Boulder Police Department did. Ether was totally excited about it. I don't know what happened, man. We ended up at fucking... Uh, Evol's house for a minute I woke up and she was gone and I was like oh my god dude what the fuck just happened Halloween the last small crawl that's what it was motherfucker I was getting sick of living in these goddamn motels I wanted to hang out with Ether more by now too you know and Mike was stupid didn't understand that we were fucking the whole time and she was orchestrating this shit pretty well. Just a big old web she was weaving. Anyway, Mike all excitingly comes up one day. I'm going to skip one part of the story. Because, you know, we had gotten in trouble. But I don't want to tell it. I want you to read about it. <clears throat> you know? But I just wanted to get to the house, too. Because the house has a lot of shit in it. So we decided, well, we're going to go up to Netherland. And... You know, which is about 15 miles away from fucking Boulder or whatever up in the mountain. There's a hidden fucking acid lab up there. And it was fucking freezing out, dude. It was cold as shit. <sighs> and uh, so we took this long-ass dark ride up into the mountain. And we get up to this fucking place and we walk. It just looks like a giant cave. You go in, and all of a sudden it turns into this white surgical lab. <laughs> and you got this guy in there, 
and he's sweeping mics of acid onto a 10 strip of blotter. It's just like a little fucking tiny brush and this little pan. Maybe you guys have seen it before. I'm sure a few of you have if you're listening to this shit. Anyway, the guy fucking sweeps up the shit and he goes, look, this shit's called mop-up, okay guys? It's got 100 to 300 hits on one hit. Seriously. Only eat a small nibble. Like, okay, sure. Yeah, he goes, and you gotta be really careful not to get mics on you because if you ever do, you'll fucking trip forever. And we're like, okay, nice to know. And we take this fucking 10 strip with us and we get out of there. I guess as soon as we left, man, that motherfucker tripped and spilt a whole pan of it onto himself and was like, oh God! They found his ass two weeks later naked in front of fucking 1600 pen in DC. They turned him in as a terrorist or some shit, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we took the trip to Denver and we got to the corner of 17th and Adams. And it's already kind of this weirdo Archie Bunker neighborhood and shit, dude, you know? And <laughs> we get, we pull into the back and we come in and I can just feel it, man. It, the air was fucky. We got our Malmute dogs with us. We got two Malmute, they're half Timberwolf, half Malmute brother and sister. The girl's name was Trouble, the boy's name was Nugan. Ether always said, Trouble's mine. And Mike always said that Nugan was his. And that's how it went. So anyway, uh, we got down there and to the fucking front door. The key fit alright. The light was already on. And we walked down these stairs and there's the fucking living room and there's a bedroom behind me. I was like, I'll take this one and I got a bathroom. And then uh, we go into what would be, what would become Mike and Ether's room and everything looks normal until you look to the side and there's this fucking menacing fucking gigantic I'd say four to five hundred pound fucking metal door that was made in the 50s for the atomic scare and it was natural for a lot of houses in the 50s to install these fucking atomic bomb little shelters you know this thing was two by two nasty as fuck evil man as soon as we looked in there dude we saw that there were these boxes you know these old crates and we didn't have gloves or anything. And we fucking took, uh, we took the boxes outside and it was about to snow. And we noticed they were covered with black widow baby eggs. And we just set them out in the snow. And you know, if, if you know about baby, spider baby eggs, a, a fucking snowflake, when it hits it, it'll freeze the embryo and kill it. Didn't know if you knew that. Learned that in the mountains. Anyway, fucking, uh... You know, we had the thing cleaned out. And we got this fucking 10-strip of fucking mop-up, man. 
and we just split it into three fucking hits, and guess what we all did? We all ate three hits apiece. <laughs> Upper range of 900 to 1,000 hits and one nice big gobble, right? Selfish motherfuckers. <laughs> and me and Ether just fall into this fucking talk in the living room, you know? We're like all talking about what life was like back 8 million years ago in the universe and all this shit. And we're yakking it up. And we noticed, oh, it's been we've been talking for eight hours. And we're like, oh yeah, where's Mike? And we went into the We went into the room and the bomb shelter door was open. And Mike was sitting on the edge of the fucking bed. And Ether's all Mike, snap out of it. And he wasn't breathing. He looked purple. He was like purple and white, you know? It was kind of frightening. And he fucking, and she's looking at the door, and I'm looking at the door, and it was kind of like weird, you know, why is it open? And I was like, hey, Mike, did you open that door? And he's like, huh? And then fucking, uh, he's all, oh my god, the house just told me a story! And we're like, what are you talking about, dude? And he jumped off the bed in a frantic and ran to the door. And showed us this blue patch of wax. And he fucking... He's like, see, look, it grew back! And he fucking chunked at it, dude. And took it off, and under it... It was carved... Your food. Your food. All fucking like a little kid would write it. It was gross. Ether was like, did you write that, Mike? He's like... And he shows us these two little holes in the fucking top of the door or whatever, dude. You can't see it. It's this nasty old door. It's been painted over like 20 times. It's dirty. It's like this latex mess all over it. It looks like shit. It looks scary. And I don't know how the fuck he saw these two little holes that are drilled through this fucking massive door. And he goes, that's where they used to stick the wires in there and they used to fucking eat them. They used to shock them, and they used to eat them. And me and Ether were like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? And after five minutes of explaining this shit to us or whatever, he looks back down at the door, and this fucking patch of wax had grown back over the fucking your food, dude. I shit you not, man. I looked at Ether... And you gotta remember, we're pretty much on 300 hits of acid minimum a piece. And I still was like, there's no way we could be joint hallucinating, right? This isn't like that, right? And she was like, no. And I couldn't put my finger on it, and I still wasn't coming up with the paranormal thing. Because I didn't really... I wasn't in that frame of mind, and the shit that I was listening to was way more evil than what I thought I was dealing with. But I didn't realize what I was really getting ready to deal with, dude, you know? <sighs> you know? He showed us that it said your food on it, and the, the, the wax grew back. And, you know, we kept going back to Boulder and selling acid, and we'd come back, and weird shit would happen. One time we came back and there was fucking plates on our table with chicken bones on them. 
and we didn't have any food in the house. Actually, we had a block of butter and a thing of sugar because we made fucking weed cookies one time. That was about it, dude. We always ate out. Always. That, that was freaky, man. And the fucking door would always be open. And I remember just like kind of looking at the door like it was his own entity finally, you know. Every day, come back, fucking. Because we were always gone, dude. Always gone. And, you know, I think Ether was the first person to call it out. This house is haunted. And I think Mike looked at everybody and had this fucking big ass grin on his face and he just kind of scowled his eye and he went, Sweet. I'm a busy. You know, eventually Mike put it together that me and Ether were banging in my room, man, at night. I think he heard it through the fucking air vents because <laughs> it wasn't anything fucking mellow, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the morning that fucking I woke up and he's like making these eggs and he goes, I drew you a picture. And there was a picture on the table and it was like a witch staring a cauldron. And there was like a fucking nose and an eye and the mouth coming out of the wall. And he looked at me and he goes, get it? And I was like, huh? And fucking he went and grabbed Ether and violently drug her out of the house, dude. And they were gone for a long ass time. I guess uh, that broke this contract that fucking Mike had made with Tom. And now he wasn't obligated to pay him any more money. And she had cheated on him. And he kind of was waiting for that shit, you know? And I think he wanted her to cheat with me so he could get out of this contract. Since he, Mike had almost tried to kill her already. He went back to left hand, he told his parents, and they fucking packed up, dude, and left that fucking day out of that fucking golf ball house up in left hand. Can you believe that shit? What the fuck, dude? <laughs> you know, now it's just me and Ether. I thought everything would go well, man, you know? But it didn't. And one time I was in the bathroom... And she wasn't even there. You know, when Mike drug her out of the house, man, her parents ended up coming over here to give me the fucking shakedown. And were giving me the criminal fucking shakedown, dude. And while they were insulting me, they rolled a joint and smoked it with me. But they kept insulting me. I was just a fucking 20... Like a 20, you know, year old kid, man. Or 21. I was just, just 21. You know, Ether's 18. They were like, our precious daughter. I was like, your precious daughter? Is the fucking evil incantation of Baphomet reincarnate? You know, basically, man, I was in this bathroom. This was after I met her lovely parents. I'm in the fucking bathroom, and I got pushed by nothing. And I ran right into the toilet, and I broke my head on the fucking top porcelain cover. That was fucked up. But the real fucked up shit was that the door kept opening. And I remember fucking 
me and Ether were watching. We'd wake up at four in the morning just to watch cartoons and eat acid and eat a bunch of sugar cereal. And we were watching this cartoon called Stunt Dogs. And I remember the fucking that was the first time the tape player opened and shot the fucking tape across the room. We could hear the door open. The door would open just blatantly. It was getting pretty fucked up. I mean, I think we both knew it was fucked up, but we were like, whatever. Uh, finally, the first time this happened, um, Evil had come on over with Slim Evil Eye and this other guy, Paul, and we were all hanging out, getting drunk in the house, talking about how weird it was, and fucking... That's when all the shit started. That's when it got evil, dude. Because Evil and Slim and Paul went out to the car to go leave. And I followed them out there and I was like, later, man. And then I got back inside and I'll never forget that look on Ether's face. And she's like, look at him. The walls are bleeding. And they were. And they were bleeding in a triangle. Just straight on down. Like, from the top, just a bloodline. There was no source of reference from where the blood was coming from. It was just coming out of the wall. One time somebody told me, oh, you know, latex paint will do that. So get the fuck out of here, dude. Whatever with that shit. No, this was fucking straight up blood. And not only that, it was running down the wall and fucking ether fucking ran her finger through it and it dried that way I ran outside and I was grabbed the guys out of the car look at this shit they all came in we had a few more beers and gawked at it and then it happened again and we had these guys from uh, Minneapolis over at our house Rachel and Samer and they were fucking hanging out and you know, Rachel and Sam are on this couch. They're facing our uh, entrance that's leading outside. The stairs go up upstairs and out of the entrance. That's where we get out of it. And Rachel's looking over there and she's like, Whoa, dude, what's coming out of your light socket? And I looked over there, dude, and the blood, it was bleeding again. And this time, instead of freaking out, I fucking went and grabbed the fucking flathead screwdriver, dude. And I took the fucking plate off of the wall, and I looked back there, it's just a thin fucking thing of drywall that's right between the wiring and the fucking light uh, plate. There's nothing there, dude. It was just coming from nowhere. And you could hear it. And I looked in there and uh, the fucking door had opened on its own again. This thing's like 500 pounds, dude. It was getting nasty. I remember Rachel and Sam were being like, uh, I think your house is haunted and you should probably get the fuck out of here. And I remember like, me and Ether kind of thinking it was a joke, kind of, in a way. And we looked at each other and we're like, nah. I think we're good. I think we're good, huh? Shit was pretty evil, man. 
There was this one time when me and Ether and Eve all had come over. And we were hanging out. And we went over to this fucking uh, city park that was across the street. And it was evil out. Nobody was out. No cars on the street. It was just this fucking eerie shit, dude. You know. Pretty fucking sick. Between me and Ether and Slim and Evol and a couple other guys, you know, we were becoming the regular circle of the tyrants. So this one night, you know, Evol turned 16. I took him to a porn theater. That was the first time he got to jack off in a fucking video arcade, so that was pretty cool. And then, uh, we got him drunk as fuck. We had Robitussin and vodka and a couple sheets of acid and some shrooms. And I can't remember what else we had. We had some other shit. I remember Ether was on the Special K. <laughs> so anyway, we were sitting in this fucking statue, dude, and it was like this tub. And this tub was this three kids that were you know from France it was a sculpture of three kids looking at three frogs across this little tub but the kids were all rotted and decomposed and when you touched them dude they felt like real skin they felt like real zombies and I remember Ether fucking pointing that out and she wasn't wrong dude it was fucking in, it was harsh they looked fucking fucked up <laughs> And the kids are all rotted, and she's like, This is the night. The night belongs to us. This is the night. We are the gods of pus. And I'll never forget her saying that. And she was holding up this fucking bottle of Robitussin. And this guy, you can't see him, and he's wearing this suit or whatever, and he had a shadowed in face with this 1930s looking brim hat. And he's got an old 30s press camera, and he goes... Hey, over here! And we look, and she goes, smile, man. And I was like, okay. Ether's all smile. And we smiled, and there's this infamous photo of the three of us from that night after we vandalized the fuck out of that statue, man. I think Evol wrote a urinal of the gods on the side of it. <laughs> we put, after the guy, the guy took the flashball photo, and then he ran off. And I was like, what the fuck, Ether? And she's like, I don't know who that was. I was like, well, why'd you tell us a smile? We sank into the night fucking tripping and drinking. I guess we passed out. I woke up, and it was about one in the afternoon. We were just laying on this vandalized-ass statue, and people are walking by like we weren't even there. And I looked over, dude, and there was that fucking photo... <laughs> and it said, fuck it, it's a photo of me and Ether and Evol all fucked up with this vandalized-ass fucking now City Park statue, Urinal of the Gods. There was this one night I fucking fell asleep, and the door was, like, open, and I didn't want to close it. I was like, ah, fuck it. And it kept flashing 821, 821, 821 on the fucking clock. I had this bottle of bourbon, you know? And I fucking passed out. And I woke up. 
and I felt something was calling me over to the park, you know? And I looked at the clock, and it was flashing 821. And I put on my fucking jacket, and I went over to the fucking park. And from behind a statue came out two of my cartoon characters, and one's an evil black and white clown named Anti-Realism, and the other one's name is Morgo. And I always said he was a demon from the ninth circle of hell. <laughs> they told me I needed to draw this shit. And I was like, okay. And they were like, telling me that I needed to draw this comic, you know. But they looked real. It was weird. I was always considered, I was draw. I was just dreaming. I remember I uh, walked back and I woke up and the clock had just turned 821. 821 had this significance, you know, and it came from this one night when Slim and Evol and Paul came over and I think there was a few other cats or whatever and Ether had scoped out this fucking building over on 17th and Downing and it was these three fucking apartment buildings and they were fucking connected together and it was like this place where we were like well let's go it was pretty much a squat and so let's go crack the squat you know and fucking you know we we broke into it and <laughs> I remember like looking around in there and shit and there was just a bunch of weird paperwork and stuff. Not nothing really major. But I remember we were sitting around and we were like talking and it was all fun. And then we went outside and we were walking past the fence and I looked up and uh, there was this fucking stencil in military numbers and it said eight dash twenty one and it had a stenciled ass like sideways watch gear, you know, like a gear and a watch. And I felt all 12 monkeys about that shit. And if you've ever seen 12 monkeys, that shit was totally fucking 12 monkeys, dude. And it turned out that it was in a weird way. But anyway, at that time, I remember being obsessed with that 821 number. And that clock thing had just happened too. And this number was coming into fashion. Later on, I would put the fucking number 821 into all this shit, you know? It was the squat where my fucking characters lived and all this shit, you know? And I remember walking, and I remember being stunned by that stencil, and I had just seen it. And all of a sudden, this fucking uh, power light thing goes off. And it, it, it was a street lamp, and it fucking exploded. It's really weird. And I looked down, and there's that motherfucker who took that 1930s fucking photo of me and Eva and Evol after we vandalized that fucking statue. I was like, hey, man! <laughs> he all ran off. That was weird, too. I still couldn't see his face. Huh. We went back to the house, and I remember fucking being in the fucking shower that night. And Ether came into the bathroom, and she was all fucking, like, naked. And she was standing behind this frosted-ass fucking glass plate 
and I was like, Ether? And she's, she opened it up, and she just looked at me, and I was like, come on in, babe, and she just fucking drew her fist back, and fucking broke my fucking nose. She punched me three times. I fell through the plate glass. Fortunately, I didn't get cut. This is the kind of shit that kept happening, and she kept disappearing. And then there was a really bad accident. I'm gonna let you read about that. At one point, I got away from the house and her, and it was me and this girl named Steph, and this girl named Pukey, and Eval. And we all went up to fucking... We stole a fucking uh, car from Chris's grandfather. <laughs> and we drove up to the fucking... Uh, we were heading to fucking Carbondale, Colorado. And we got stuck outside of Avon, Colorado. And it was the middle of fucking nowhere, dude. And we were on the highway, and we could hear these gunshots, you know? And so Evolve's like, well, let's follow the sh gunshots, and... You know, we got the girls, we're going on this walk in this dark-ass woods, and we came up to a fucking fence, dude, and this fucking Doberman came charging at the fucking fence in the dark, and we're like, oh shit, dude, and you could hear the voice in the background, get down, Nixon, get down, and, you know, I didn't know who it was, but if you know that dog, that voice and that dog's name... <laughs> You know that's fucking Hunter S. Thompson. We didn't know who we were hanging out with, so... <laughs> and fucking, basically, we got to hang out with him for a minute. He helped us get down the road. He gave us a few PBRs. We got to shoot a fucking keg that he was shooting, an empty keg with a fucking 357. And he asked us about acid, and I pretended that I didn't know what he was talking about. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, you kids, be careful out there. And that's pretty much the last of the stories. It really is just the haunted house. And now we're going to talk to C2 about this fucking haunted ass stupid there door, man. There is a simple way to completely transform your physique. Is that right? Yeah, go fuck jacket. yourself, dude. You fucking dick. <clears throat> Alright, man. Welcome back to the show, C2. Uh, sorry to bother you in, uh, in the slumber of your ivory tower up in the two-mile mountain range. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> look, uh, I know you don't know too much about the story, but just a brief overview. It's a bomb shelter door in this apartment. You know the area, 17th and Adams in Denver, City Park. Yeah. And uh, it was a basement apartment right there. And basically, I thought, you know, it was the bomb shelter door that was in, that was a part of this bomb shelter. That was, the door was just evil. And I know you've had a lot of encounter and you got a lot of knowledge about possession and junk like that. And I was wondering just if you could just speak loudly and clearly so everybody could hear you. Uh, and kind of just give, you know, a brief thing about what's up with, what's the fuck's up with possessed doors, bro? <laughs> or most accretion or, uh, you know, accumulation of stuff usually happens around doors and stairways because doors are a metaphorical passage and uh, stairways are metaphorical transcendence descendants and, you know, the 
thoughts and feelings we have about a door, be they fearful or joyful or going up and down steps fearful or joyful, they can eventually build up and different stuff can start happening when there's enough um, encounter people or just build up in those areas and, you know, then stuff can come through form or just strange things happen. And uh, in the South, they had a witching room, which is a sealed off room, even though I had a door, and that was never open, and that was supposed to contain the bad spirits. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, that whole area was like a box of mirrors, you know, and you can shine a laser in there, it'll just bounce around forever, so it's supposed to keep stuff trapped there. Oh, uh, a box of mirrors. Yeah, we actually use something called a ring spectrometer, a laser ring spectrometer, which is actually a column of mirrors that a laser is shot into the bottom, and... It does about two million bounces before it gets to the sensor head, and due to the amount of light that doesn't make it to the sensor head, we can tell what is in the column atomically. So, it is a scientific and occult phenomena that people use these constructs in uh, rigorous science testing and sheer field uh, occultness. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. I love that. <laughs> what? Uh, all right. Well. So technically, this door can cause you to have bad dreams and stick you into an alternate dimension and make the walls bleed and cause holes to come out of your wall and flesh to grow out of the wall with hair in it and make plates of, you know, appear on your kitchen table after you know damn well you don't buy groceries because you eat out all the time and, oh, there's chicken bones on there. And I guess it's, uh, well, there was one time when, um, and it was the staircase, like you said, you know, because we left our dog inside and we went to go smoke a cigarette, all of us, and we were hanging out and we went back and the latch was locked from the inside. And the only one there was our dog, dude. Remember Trouble? Oh gosh, yeah, I totally forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> and Trouble was inside, right? And so now you got some proof guys out there because C2 goes back way back and knows, and is from this time era. I, you never were at the house, I don't think, but you never... That was great that you weren't, dude, because, you know, it was just some creepy-ass shit. And, uh, you know, there. okay, here's an instance I kind of want to break down was... Slim Evil Eye said he came over to the house because me and Ether were fighting too hard. And he was like, well, I want you guys to chill the fuck out. And... I wasn't at the house, the door was open, and Ether was in Longmont with her parents, and Slim goes into the room, he said, it was creepy, man, the light was off, and there was some weird lamp on in your room, and you were sitting on the edge of your bed, and the door was open, and it was all pointing right at you, and I was like... You know, you got to remember, I wasn't there. Yeah. I was up on Colfax, spare changing for 40s and shit. And, <laughs> and you know, that was what you did back then. And and so, like, you know, Ether's still not back from Longmont. He says, I just got off the bed, came into the uh, living room totally naked, sat down, set a fucking chess fucking table up or whatever this little chessboard that me and Ether had and was like you want to play and so he sat down and 
we were playing and fucking Ether walked in and saw this me playing naked with Slim and I fucking got up, kicked the fucking board, ran outside and all of a sudden I got clothes on. And they were like, huh? And then I ran and I went across the street and uh, I went into this uh, around the sidewalk that's on fucking basically it's on the fucking uh it's on this fucking uh, border of uh, um, the the history museum. That's what I'm trying to say. And so it, it goes around, and Ether and Slim ran outside, and they were like, "Stop, stop!" And I flipped them off, and then I ran around the fucking lake into this fucking tree that is in the back of the fucking zoo, and they chased me over there, and there was just when they ran into this tree bush thing, there was a cop standing there staring at nothing. And they ran right into, he was a big motherfucker apparently. And yep. And, uh, he just looked eerily down at these ether and slim. And they're like, Hey, did you see our friend walk through here? Didn't you see him run through here? And he goes, you guys better get out of here. And that's how Slim ended up telling me that he said it later on when he was calmed down. And then he goes, now! And fucking, they ran. And fucking, they ran back to the... You know? And so basically, what happened was, I didn't want to go back to the house, because we were fighting pretty hard already. And I was like, fuck that. And so, I went and I found this yard... And I was sitting in this guy's yard or whatever. And it, it was banked over onto the sidewalk and shit, dude. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I see Slim over on the corner. And he's like, what's up, dude? And I'm sitting there drinking. He thinks it's just me from running off. And so that's what he thinks. But I don't even know what the hell these guys are talking about. Because I just got back. And I'm just sitting here having a drink, you know? And so fucking Slim's like, uh, you know, this is eerie shit, right? And uh, and I was like, what? What are you talking about, you know? And he's like, come on, let's just go back to the house. I didn't know what he had gone through already. <laughs> and fucking, so basically what happened was, <laughs> we started... I, I looked down at the grass and these little footprints started walking across the grass and Slim saw it and it was like a, it was like a leprechaun an invisible leprechaun walked across this grass and fucking he was like let's go dude let's just get the fuck out of here you know and uh, so <laughs> we're walking down the street and it looks like Archie Bunker's neighborhood or whatever you know what I mean and you hear this weird silence and me and Slim stopped at the same time in the middle of the street and we were halfway up to my house and I looked behind me and there was fucking 3,000 cats 
all over these porches, all clogged in the street, every fucking yard, all right next to each other. And Slim was like, I, I, I can't look at it. And I was like, don't look at it. And we turned around. And we walked about three feet. And we stopped and we had to look at it again, obviously. <laughs> yeah. and, there, and there wasn't anything there. There was nothing there. Not one cat, not nothing. So this was the kind of weirdness that was all over that neighborhood. And I'm wondering, you know, is that whole place just fucking haunted? Or was it just this core basement thing? Well, contrary to popular belief, Denver is the most haunted city in the United States. Um, yeah, that's true. New Orleans or Massachusetts or stuff like that, but you know, the towns of Massachusetts. But Denver is a very anomalous place because all these other big cities with hauntings actually have a huge amount of history and they sprawl really largely and they have tons of suburbs and they were slowly developed and hedged in on and Denver was started right down there by Paris on the Platte and the uh, old train museum REI store that was the core that's right and, yeah and, uh, you know so the funny thing is is that you got a lot of traditional ghosts in the area but also there's so much primal that's still around Denver people don't realize how open Colorado is I mean you just have the front range sprawl but you got stuff coming in from the mountains you got stuff coming off the prairies I mean the whole area it's fucking haunted as fuck out there let's face it with all the death and all the shit and this craziness Colorado's fucking haunted as fuck amount of primal haunting out there, which is non-human haunting and pre-contact haunting that is integrated into the city. So in that way, Denver has some of the most vicious ghosts and some of the most persistent ghosts, actually, that are around. Um, and they don't destabilize, they're not exercisable like standard stuff is. And the uh, foundation of a lot of these hauntings actually comes from much earlier than the uh, houses. I mean... A lot of them could be referred to as chindi, which are a type of uh, non-human generated spirit that were around long before. Kind of think of a dark elemental sort of aspect. And, you know, there's a, supposed, I've never observed the eye color myself, but um, I have observed the form. And chindi are more like smaller black shadow shapes, and they're pretty good at doing the little hide behind thing, walking behind something thin and disappearing, shape changing. Uh, voice casting and imitation and trickstering and uh, really it sounds like you already had an aggravated situation you were living in with uh, issues going on and it looks like just one of the local huh. shitty got in there and started having a bit of fun itself. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but I don't know, it's pretty interesting stuff. Like, uh, yeah. None of the youth tribes uh, and quite a few of the plains tribes would never ever burn driftwood but the lakes. Sorry, hold on. Damn. That scared the uh, shit out of me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's the Ghostbuster alert. Well, maybe it is time to break it up here. You know, well, let's get another minute and tell us, finish that up, though. Tell, finish that. Actually, that was just my fire system check alarm, and it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> That shit, I was like, fucking. <laughs> 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 now, Adam Brown trousers. Yeah, you know, exit. Stage left, even. No. <laughs> but, uh. Um, 
again, he's just like this uh, old Indian thing around here, or Native American thing, who uh, never burned driftwood off a lake, because that's what's supposed to be the home of some of the chimney, and anybody who did that could actually get themselves in uh, some serious issues or problems, and, you know, it wasn't really specified. But, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. I mean, all the events you described in the early part of that process were gateway transitional events. So mm. The door was open, you know, fear of the scares or something else is there, you know, and possession and all these other things you were talking about are the metaphorical equivalent of doors and stairs, you know, possession, entry, all that. You know, holes coming out of the wall. Well, guess what? That's another type of passage. So that's just more of a focal point, in my personal opinion, of it's generating a lot of these things. And then you have some interplay from the local occult biome, for lack of, or biology or ecology in the area, for lack of a better term. Huh. Um, so those are actually pretty hard situations to deal with because they're pretty entrenched, but. Yeah, it was an intense situation for a kid, I thought. They're, they're containable, <laughs> but they're really hard to purge. <laughs> right. No, I I was there, dude. I saw it all go down. Well, look, man, I'm going to wrap it up, and thanks for joining me for a minute, C2, so I could get some kind of cool little overbrief to you know, make sure I wasn't totally out, out of my goddamn mind and that some shade of this could actually exist on some level and, and then how that how that would, you know go down or whatever. So thank you, man. I appreciate your time. The Thousand Cats reminds me of when uh, I was with three other people and we saw two moons and we're all sober as hell and we can actually look and see the shadows cast by the two moons causing two shadows off the grass and plants out there in the plains. And, you know, we're all just eventually just kind of like, I have no idea what's going on. And we turned around and went for a while and looked back and it was gone. But, but I understand what you're talking about on that phenomenon. <laughs> wow that's amazing man well there's some amazing shit there's things that's just beyond our level of comprehension but we're trying to understand it huh yeah, I, know. I just uh, I just make sure I can survive the experiences and the more data I get the uh, more I learn and the more easier it is to survive <laughs> I appreciate your time I'm going to get going but uh, hang on the line hold on one second okay Hold on, guys. Wait a minute now. That was some pretty entertaining educational stuff. So, all right, I'm going to close it off. <laughs> Thanks for joining me tonight. I know this shit was kind of fucking fucked up and spooky and scary and weird. A lot of acid. Anyway, I wanted to give you this kind of what happened years later. And I was hanging out with my friend Andy, and I'm going to get her on the show at some point. She's a cool chick, man. She rescues animals. And uh, I talked her into going to this haunted house after I told her this whole story that you guys just heard. She's like, why the fuck would I want to go there? It's <laughs> like, come on, dude, I just want to show it to you, you know, and we can pretend to be these college students from downtown Denver, and... Get you. Oh, damn. They're coming for you. Damn. Look, there comes one of them now. Oh, shit. So anyway, uh... <laughs> 
she agrees to go along with my little fucking bullshit. And so we uh, go up to the house. I haven't been here since all that shit happened back in the day. And this lady comes out and she just looks normal or whatever. And so me and Andy go over the lie that we rehearsed and we start pitching it to her. Oh yeah, we know this place, we heard this place has paranormal activity because it was on online or whatever. And right when we were saying this shit, Andy's my only living testimonial witness, I swear to God, dude, this is not a lie. And we both looked out at the same time, and these two white creatures came out, and one... And they were both half cat, half dogs, and I'm not fucking around. The lady told us that her husband worked for the Reagan administration, and he was on board the genetic fucking scientist fucking thing, and this was the gifts that they received in the 80s, was these half lynx, half poodles? What in the... Dude, it looked like it, too, and it looked fucking... Me and Andy looked at each other and were like, what in the fuck is that? That lady looked concerned. She was like, where exactly did you see this shit online that this basement house was uh, uh, haunted? And I was like, well, has anything weird happened? She goes, no. And I was like, do you care if we look at it? And she's like, well, I'm going to have to talk to my husband and blah, blah, blah. And we didn't pull it off, but that was the first thing. And then it was like another fucking, like, six years after that. I'd already done all this shit. And I went back to go visit my friend Lena, who lived in that same neighborhood. And she was fucked up, dude. It reminded me of Twin Peaks to Return or some shit, dude. It reminded me of how evil that place is. And so I left her place after a disturbing visit. I was like, well, I'll come back when you're feeling better. <laughs> and I was walking down the street and I went past the old 17th and Adams house. And sure enough, man, it was like, I looked in the basement and it had all been remodeled and you could see through it. And it was a fucking baby nursery where the fucking bomb shelter used to be. And if you know what I went through and what I told you, and for that to be a baby nursery now, I figured I'd leave you on that nightmarish note. <laughs> I do love you guys. Thank you for joining me on another fucking what the fuck episode. I'll see you guys soon. Hang tight. <laughs> Smoke it up, dude. You've been listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Fucking Therapy, motherfucker. Word. Well, I hope you guys fucking enjoyed that shit. A little flashback. You can hear how rough I was. I definitely do a better recording. Anyway, if you guys got a fucking show you want to fucking do, 
Give me a call, 206-666-5847. C2 isn't with us anymore. Rest in peace, motherfucker. Uh, and that story is ancient fucking history. But, uh, glad I can fucking reshare it again. I probably won't fucking do it again. I should probably do the whole fucking show again. Yeah, fuck it. Moving on, moving on. Like I said, I had to fucking check into a fucking mental ward three times while I was renting this thing. Renting it. <laughs> while I was renting it from God. God's horror video department. Anyway, stay the fuck tuned in. Uh, yeah, the only reason I was in the mental ward even was I was still trying to do antipsychotics like a dummy. I had to learn the hard way. Yeah, motherfuckers did not have my back. They never will. You have to have your own back. I'm a platform you get the vent on. But if you fuck me around, I'll fucking scalp your fucking dumbass. And I want all these old people to know that I used to run around with you. I haven't forgot about your stupid shit. <laughs> Especially baby's mama. Oh, you fucking stupid bitch. And all you stupid motherfuckers that thought you'd fuck me around and put your hands on me. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> oh, did you think I wouldn't? I just wanted to wait until you were older. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe God's a puss too. Keep it in the yard, guys. Don't kill him for real. But you can kill him in your... Artwork. <laughs> Kill them all you want. And you can also bring them back to life if they're profitable enough. And re-kill them. Oh. Didn't think about that, did you? Oh, or you probably did. Anyway, don't kill them for real. It'll cost too much to get yourself out. Tune in, motherfucker, and drop out. What do you do for recreation there? That, that's what I do for recreation. Yeah. I work. Do you ever hike up into the mountains? Oh, yeah. I do that for... I, I, I like to kill. And when you say kill, you're talking about what? Neighbors? What? Uh... <laughs> we don't want to talk about shooting people, do we? No, but you're, you're teasing when you say you like to kill, right? Uh, yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not teasing. I, I used to like to kill. When I realized that I was uh, hunting uh, in order to kill. You like hunting? I quit. Well, I did. I, I quit. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I know that when you But keep... I, I quit because I uh, realized I was not hunting for meat. I was hunting because I like to kill. Yeah. Have you talked to anyone about this stuff? Uh... <laughs> but I, I know... I don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I know. I found it interesting that in traveling here to be on the show, you brought with you on the airplane uh, a rifle. Is that correct? Was it yeah, a rifle? I was going to show it to you, but uh, they wouldn't let me do it. Yeah. But I found it interesting that you could travel with a weapon on an airplane. David, I've told you repeatedly, if you're innocent, you can do anything. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> You've been listening to Adam Air MD GED. Underground fucking cartoon therapy. Happy Halloween, motherfuckers. <laughs>